Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your hosts, Tim Picararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Megan. And we're so glad you could join us today as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you're eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So, yo, Megan. Hey, Tim. Have you been making it rain? (laughs) Every day, every day. Rain. Let me get my umbrella out. You just, I feel like you just combined a couple different songs there. Well, that was like a song, right? Like how? Well, there's like the song like, rain, feel it on my fingertips, you know? Is that Madonna? That was, I don't know who that was, but I know the song you're talking about. Then, well, what other song did I combine? Uh, I don't know. You don't no, know? No, it wasn't. That was just really more of a reference to a movie. It was a movie, movie, Rain, right. Along came I'm Polly. Just, I'm stuck on, oh yeah, make it rain. <laughs> rain man. Rain man. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I'm stuck on that, folks. So those of you listening that I just, like right now, that's all I care about, making the sky rain. <laughs> what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Uh, well, we've had some great, uh, interview people on the podcast, so I've been talking to them, um... I don't know, really nothing too crazy. Bringing on new clients. Yep. Um, leadership Greenville, um, lots of community stuff. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, we've been uh, also like dreaming. Mm-hmm. We've been like dreaming for some cool stuff that's coming up. Yeah. That we keep telling everybody we're going to be letting them know about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the, like, the next two episodes, we're going to be able to give them the concrete stuff of like what we're doing with our workshops yes. and things like that. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yes. So it's going to become more concrete, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So because right now we're just we're just mixing the stuff. It's like mixing. Yeah. We got all the stuff in there in the well, I don't know if we're mixing right now. We're getting to the part where we're we're kind of putting the cake together. Okay. Yeah, yeah we're I at that point it. now. It's in the pan. Uh, no, it's out of the pan. We're stacking it. <laughs> it's out of the pan. Oh, so it's been baked. It's been baked. It's cooled off. Yeah, now we're just Stack it. Mm-hmm. Stack it. Yeah. We How still many... have to ice it and decorate it. Ice and decorate. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. I like that. That's yeah. good. See, for me, as a person who loves, you know, metaphors and analogies and those things, that was good. Mm-hmm. You got my attention with the whole cake thing. Yeah. So, so... which is a surprise. Because <laughs> you normally you normally don't want to, you just want to get to the facts. <laughs> that's true. Just get to the end. So, yeah. Hey, um, I know you have something for me. I do have a question for you. Oh, goodness. Let's do it. Okay. So, Tim, what is the first thing you notice about people? Their posture. Really? Yeah. Like, well, I shouldn't say posture, like how they sit or stand. It I, I, That's the wrong word. Let's change that. Not posture. Like how they are. Their presence? Their presence. Like how they're standing, like how they're showing up. Mm-hmm. So I look at that. I could tell how they're carrying themselves. So mm-hmm. that's like the first thing that I pay attention to. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So, um, and that means it's not, you know, it's like their body, mm-hmm. but it's like their face. Right. Like, are they someone that looks like they've been sucking lemons all day? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Do they like, look unhappy? Do they look unhappy? Do mm-hmm. they look like angry person? Right. Are they smiling? Right. Like, <laughs> right. so like those are the things like how they show up. Like that is the immediate first thing that I look at. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and I think that's actually really good. That leads really well into our guest today, uh, Elizabeth Dullberger. She actually is a leadership coach, a speaker, and an author. uh, And she is uh, someone who just always felt like she had this entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, she got bit by that bug just knowing that she uh, was going to do something great in the world. So she's fairly young. I believe she's only a year older than me based out of Toronto uh, and works with with uh, a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs and their teams. So um, we had a great conversation with her, but she talked a lot about being self-aware. Yeah, and what I like is, you know, one of the things that really captivated me in our discussion, uh, which, you know, without giving too much of it away, you know, one of the big ones that she talked about was as a person who coaches or guides people, um, just the, the, the level of... Um, just her being able to receive, like the amount that she receives from the people that mm-hmm. she works with. Mm-hmm. That was really good to hear because I think there's sometimes a misunderstanding that possibly if you go, you know, oh, I need, you know, I'm getting, I have a coach. Or even if you're getting a counselor, I give mm-hmm. a counselor or whatever. People don't want to talk about that because they're nervous. But, you know, the other side of the table is this person who's real. They're there for you. Mm-hmm. But believe it or not, your growth, your change, the things that you go through actually are building that person. Mm-hmm. So, so Megan, as you and I do coaching with our clients and we're leading their teams and we're guides to them, you know, we receive a lot just like that mm-hmm. from them. You know, so as we're sitting with them and helping them to get to where they want to be, we're learning a lot and they add a lot of value value to our lives. So that was, you know, one thing, um, you know, from this, you know, whole engagement. But the other one I loved is the fact that she's only been doing this for a couple of years now, Mm -hmm. um, coming from where she came out of real estate. Mm -hmm. And um, but she's not letting her lack of time on the field, like playing time detract from her effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I think she has a really great belief in herself. And I think that um, that has really carried her to where she is. But she's also very self-aware of the areas that she needs to grow. Uh, and I think it is just uh, one more thing that she'll, she touches on quite a bit is the idea of being open. So uh, we really know that you're going to enjoy this. Please remember to uh, go to iTunes or Stitcher and rate and review the show. We love it if you would share it with anybody that you know who could benefit from the great conversations that we're having. You can uh, find us on Facebook, uh, Uphill Conversations. You can also follow us on Twitter at Uphill Convo. Uh, And you can always connect with us on our website, uh, uphillconversations.co. So without any further delay, let's jump into this episode with Elizabeth Dahlberger. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth Dahlberger. Thank you so much for joining us today. How is everything going in your world? Oh, great. Mother of two little babies. I'm just, you know, the energy doesn't end. (laughs) Yeah, well, it takes a lot to keep up with two little ones. I've got um, a five-year-old and and two-and-a-half-year-old girls. Oh my God, same here. Only boy and girl. Wow. Okay, yeah, so I definitely understand uh, needing to try to keep up. (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, do you do you ever wonder where is all my energy coming from? I didn't sleep, so it shouldn't <laughs> really be here. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, um, just a little bit about uh, you, Elizabeth. So you're a leadership coach, a speaker, and an author. And uh, in you were so gracious and um, sent Tim and I a copy of your book. And um, also, we had an opportunity to just kind of learn a little bit about you. And one of the things. I was really intrigued about is you became an entrepreneur at the age of 21. So tell us a little bit about, you know, and and share with our guests your journey to becoming an entrepreneur and really what has inspired you to continue um, along that path. Sure. Um, Thanks for that great question. You know, when I was kind of growing up and, you know, I, I was growing up with parents that, you know, you went to school and did your thing and you maybe became a professional. That was just the thing to do. And the word that we love today, entrepreneur, it's such a glamorous word today. Everyone wants to, seems to want to use it all the time. But I think to my parents at the time, it meant, oh, so you'll be unemployed. And, um, (laughs) and, and, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, because I didn't know, you know, you kind of have that bug it bites you and you're born with it. So you don't really know when you're growing up how to recognize it. You think you just don't like authority or you don't really mesh well with a lot of people that are beside you and working on something together with you. And you just don't, you don't get it at first. And um, slowly but surely, I started realizing in myself that my ideas were very kind of speedy in my brain and I needed to spew them out. I needed to tell somebody I needed to do something. I needed to call the government and register for a tax ID. I I mean, these things, I didn't really have a lot of people showing me the business way, but I knew that feeling and every entrepreneur that's listening and you know, you guys as well, you recognize it. It's the, um, this is how I define it. It is finding an area where you can speak without restraint, where you can do things without restraint, things that appeal to you, things that you know the world needs. So I felt that when I was young and I quit my very, not very meaningful job and started um, a business in my mother's apartment. And um, I I started providing a service. You know, I saw a lot of wealthy people around me and I saw them be really busy and live this amazing life and jet setting here and jet setting there. And I wondered who helps them. And I know that people have assistants and people have, but really do they have that one person or that one company that tends to whatever they might need? And I always thought, how are these people doing it? I mean, they've got families and they've got homes all over the world and they've got, you know, who books their jet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think partially it was a desire to be around that. And, um, another part of me was, you know, kind of a true entrepreneur. I recognized the need and I started providing it and I, and I started providing it with, as most entrepreneurs will probably agree with me. You don't really know what you're doing. You know, I started promising things. I didn't know if I could deliver. And there's an, I think there's a little bit of that in any business you're starting. You're going, Oh God, did I just promise something? I don't know if I can deliver. Yes. Most often that's why the confidence comes in. Um, but I started promising people that if they sign on, I'll provide this and that for them and I'll find them a match. And so it kind of became an in-between. And as I went on, I started making connections with the other side, the vendors, people who wanted to be the provider. And I started kind of matching them and it went on from there. That's great. Um, (laughs) you know, 
I um I'm I'm curious uh as to you know you said you started in your mom's apartment and mm-hmm. um you know I grew up uh for the for a good part of my life uh, my older brother and I I have I have three siblings and the other two came later um I'm 10 years older than my sister and 14 years older than my little brother and my older brother and I were the two that drove my mom crazy completely. And, um, but, you know, most of our, you know, I'm, I'm the straight up entrepreneur in the family, like my grandpa and some of my uncles. But, um, you know, you mentioned this whole apartment thing. Do you mind giving me a little bit like what was that like? Because it, it sounds like maybe you didn't have everything readily available to you. Everything wasn't like right there. And this is maybe an assumption. I may be completely wrong. But would you talk a little bit about that? Just... In your mom's apartment, like, what was that like launching from that state and stage without all of what I would assume to be some of the conveniences that others have experienced? Yeah, no, I definitely, it was tough. What a great question. It was tough, but, you know, I have a, uh, and I think this is kind of innate in me. I have a, um, a, a real comfort within myself, I think from a, a very young age. I was very aware of who I was. I was, I was self-aware and that doesn't necessarily mean I was very well behaved all the time, but I think that what could be in my life drove me more than what my current circumstances were. And I was very comfortable with them. You know, I'd get on the phone with some people and some assistants to some CEOs and I'd be sitting in my little, on my little like wooden desk where I used to do homework in my mother's <laughs> apartment. And I would speak to these assistants, these high powered, you know, presidents of banks, trying to convince them to give me a retainer because I could provide you know, service for them. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, it's, it's where I wanted to go was so much stronger than the, the lack of comfort in getting there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that definitely makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I just, and I, and I found it kind of cool. You know, I remember Toronto Film Festival. And I remember I, I had maybe four or five clients by then. And, you know, some of them were kind of big deal clients. I remember picking up the phone and calling L.A. publicists. I, I think I called Tom Cruise's publicist and I said, well, is Tom Cruise going to be in town because we can provide, you know, this is how gutsy I was. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my mother's little apartment and I knew that had he said yes, had his publicist said, yes, we need your services. I knew that with a name like that, I could provide him any service he needed. So there was a, there was a, I'm ready. (laughs) So I took those chances and I knew, you know, I always warned my clients, um, you know, you can take chances like that, but you've got to have the foundation. If you don't actually have the tools within you to do it, if someone says yes, please don't offer it. I I think deep down, I felt I could do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it didn't matter that I was, you know, my grandmother was yelling in the next room. And, and going, I mean, going along with that. So, I mean, that right there, it's really just a great illustration of having a strong self-belief. Yes. And it's incredibly, that's an incredibly important thing, whether you are an entrepreneur or whether you are someone who's just really pursuing your dream, your vocation, uh, your career, having that self-belief is incredibly important, uh, especially and and specifically more when it comes to leaders. So knowing 
that you have to have that self-belief. And I know that you work with people and you coach them. And in your book, you say it's foundational to have that before you start climbing the ladder. Otherwise, cracks in the ground will start forming. So how do you work with someone who maybe they're halfway up the ladder and the cracks start to form? Obviously, they're not going to climb back down. How do you work with them to repair those cracks or fill those in so they can continue upward? Um, very important questions. My first instinct was to tell you I don't, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. I, I only continue if they recognize that the cracks are there because most often I mean, I encounter people who don't realize and want to keep climbing. Mm-hmm. If you, if, if you can look back and admit that you made, I mean, number one, that's very emotionally intelligent. If you're mature, if you can, if you can, you know, recognize your areas of growth or things that you've not necessarily, you haven't done that you should have done. If the recognition is there, if the awareness for areas to grow within yourself and things that you missed perhaps is there, and then it's very easy. Um, as long as a person's self-aware, and again, you say, I don't go back. I kind of do take them back. I take them back not only very deep into the realization that it was missed, I, I find out why. And I give them options with regard to if you keep moving, because this kind of existed in your past, you might do it again. So I make sure that not only do we close the gaps, we also don't continue. People don't often change unless you really put them in front of their errors, of their weaknesses. They've got to see them. They've got to understand them. They've got to perhaps shy away from areas where a spotlight will be would be would be shine on their weaknesses. They've got to understand. They've got to know what they are. Um, so if someone is very truly self aware and recognizes that they're standing on cracked ground, very easy to work with them. It's the people that don't. It's the people that want the help and are not ready to do the work, or really even recognize that they made errors. So in terms of self-awareness, obviously, when you're working on maybe growing that or building your self-awareness, there's a big part of everyone. You know, you have your subconscious. So you have to try to bring that up to the conscious level. But so you have your subconscious in one hand and you need to dig into that to grow self-awareness. But you're also working with a lot of people who uh, have maybe had a lot of success or had big careers. So there's also ego. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with growing self-awareness and also work with with the ego? Because it must be there. And mm-hmm. digging into sub- your subconscious and bringing things to your awareness, it can be very painful and very humbling. So, so how do you help people to overcome that? Because I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that someone, you know, there are probably some people that, that come to you, they want help and it takes a little bit of work to break through that barrier. Yes. A lot of work, a a lot of work. And it also depends on who you're dealing with. For me, you know, I've got some really successful people in my roster and you'd be, you'd be surprised that you know, most of the really, the, the higher, the higher they, they go, kind of the larger the ego, you're absolutely right there. But I find a balance. I, I don't necessarily do a lot of breaking. I, you know, in my breaking, I also lift. So if, if you were to talk to any of my clients, they would probably feel just as much of a mentor to me as I am coach to them. And I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but I, I, I build one side while I break down another. And because every leader that's been relatively successful has something they do tremendously well. They do some, they do one or or two things probably better than me. And I allow them in our journey 
to coach me a little bit in those things, which allows them to feel that they have also areas that they can pass on, that they're also good coaches, that they could also help other people that are sitting there and, you know, are supposed to be helping them. So as I break down one side, and some of my clients refer to it as beating them up. I mean, you know, I, I literally have asked, you know, invited clients to events and one client will go to another and say, does she also beat you up? I get, they say that (laughs) to each other. She hit you today because I do, I, I, my approach is, is very, um, direct. I mean, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I I really don't do too much. You know, I I don't know how to phrase it, but I don't, I don't waste a lot of time. And I go, I really go for the jugular very quickly, but I never allow the person to feel that they don't have aspects of their personality or their leadership talent that they can't pass on. And I allow them most of the time to pass it on to me. So I benefit. That's really good. I mean, while you were talking, I was, you know, I was like, so this question popped up. I love what you said. You, you only, you know, continue with someone that you're going to work with. Um, that's based on them recognizing cracks, you know, they they have to see them. And, um, and then what you just said, like, as you're coaching them, they're mentoring you. And so I had this question, like, what is a, you know, through your engagements, what are the things you've learned? Like, what are, you know, so in that exchange, you know, like I let people know, like, you know, uh, you know, when you're coaching, I've had people say to me, cause in some coaching one-to-one clients and, you know, some of them are just starting out with stuff. Some are making life changes and others are, you know, they've built some pretty significant, you know, um, things in this world and are mm-hmm. doing well for themselves. But I, I have to, it doesn't matter who they are. You still have to let them know that, Hey, you know what? This exchange is good for me as well. Yes. And you're sharpening me, you're making me better. So as a coach that wants to ask better questions and, you know, if I have a choice between being the best I can be and being better, I choose better. I don't choose the best I can be. I want better Mm because there's got to be more. So in that, I love, you you know, you're showing the exchange that that person is mentoring you, you know, you know, be it inadvertently, (laughs) you know, it's happening, right? Or what's the, there's no equity in the relationship. There's no value. So if it's good for you, it's good for them and vice versa. So what what are some things, yeah. So what are some things that you would, you would say like, wow, this, this really, um, you know, maybe it was a situation somewhere when you were coaching someone and then in that exchange, like something that you would say, I really learned a lot here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this taught me something amazing. Yes. Oh, I have tons. I mean, and right before I answer that question, you guys are full of amazing questions. So let's give it to you. Thank um, you. Great questions. The, the before I answer this question, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that not only are these guys um, inadvertently coaching me, I tell them they're coaching me. There are times where I have a real issue with a let's say a top level client that I myself I I, I don't necessarily believe can handle on my own. Not only because of, you know, I haven't been doing this for too many years and I believe most of my talent's very innate, um, but I need help sometimes. And I reach out to other clients to get input for my other clients, if that makes sense. So I, I, I literally, some of these guys know that I'm doing that and they're so excited to help because that the coach in them comes out that, you know, people love to be heard, right? I mean, that's our greatest desire is appreciated and be heard. 
Um, and so when, 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 when people that I kind of break down for lack of a better term, when I come to them and say, all right, I've got, I've got a guy and this is a real serious issue. You've got to tell me how you would handle this. They feel that they're, you know, that's where our relationship grows. So I don't necessarily even hide it. I mean, most of the time when I need advice, I go to these guys and I, and we have this insane relationship where I'm breaking them down on one end and, um, and, and, and getting them to the, a level of emotional security that they haven't perhaps ever been at. And then on the other level, you know, they're a couple of days go by and they're helping me. So I, I, it's open. I mean, we do it openly, but to answer your question in terms, you know, patience, I, I have a client who, who's taught me patience, um, you know, with my, with my job, it's really difficult to be, stay patient because you've got to be so gentle with people. You've got to be so, um, you've got to understand, you'd be so empathetic with their journey and how they're getting to the thing where you kind of wish you can push them, get them really there quicker. It's like, oh my God, don't you see? I learned patience, particularly from one of my clients. Um, he's, he's, you know, ever when I question him and say, you know, Liz, there's a part of you that needs to understand. And he would go into patience and what it means to him. He'd tell me stories and he does this over and over again. Another client taught me um, to be to react better to criticism. He, he says, it, <laughs> he says it, you know, I mean, no one's perfect. And so he's taught me how to deal with criticism, um, in the way that he deals with criticism. And I mean, it's, it's just, these relationships are very circular. They're really give and take. And that's what, this is why my clients are so loyal to me. We have relationships. These are not, you know, I don't take on a lot of clients. I have, you know, only a few clients at a time that I work with and we have relationships full on, um, you know, and they don't end, they go on for years. And I think just going into that whole idea of relationship, I mean, that is one of the most basic things I think that we desire as, as human beings, as individuals. So I always find that if there's mutual benefit in a relationship, it's always going to be so much more rich. Uh, one thing you said though, in, in that explanation and talking about how you utilize, um, these different relationships as resources, even in your day-to-day business and your challenges, you said people really want to be appreciated and heard. Mm -hmm. In addition to those two things, I think that a lot of people also very much want to be understood. How much of the work that you do is helping people listening to people and understanding them, but also really helping them understand themselves and the other people in their relationships? Great question. The third, I do all the time. So helping them understand and see the perspectives of the people that they're having challenges with is, is something I do, I would probably say on a daily basis. And you're absolutely right. Um, to be understood is one of life's greatest. I mean, I don't know that any of us truly ever feel understood. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think you take the most ideal relationship out there and you, I don't know if those two people will ever say, you know, I'm completely understood. I think it's very lucky if you have at least one person in your life who completely understands you. So it's one of those, this toughest things to achieve in my opinion. But, um, the, the third thing you're talking about, I do, I do a lot. I work with, because I work with groups too work with employee engagement a lot. And I, I work with a lot of CEOs who are, don't understand why they're not retaining talented people. So I do, I do a lot of, um, you know, positional training, which, which is where, 
which is where I, I allow them to understand um, how each person on their leadership team or even below there um, feels and why they conduct themselves in the way that they do and why they don't display the loyalty that perhaps is expected of them. So I do a lot of that. And, and, and you're right, it's probably one of the most difficult things to do to get a person to get up from their chair, walk over to a cubicle, sit in that chair and truly understand what that person's motivation is, what that person's lack of motivation comes from, and what are you doing to contribute to it? Mm, that's so rich. Um, there's a proverb that I like that says, and all you're getting, get understanding. Um, I tell people all the time that wisdom needs a tool to work with. And that, that tool is, is understanding. And so, um, you know, you know, people that you see do great things with money as an example, you know, they're the ones that really learn from a young age, how to, you know, just work with their checkbook register, you know? Right. So, and and then wisdom can show up and go, Oh, I have something to work with, (laughs) you know, like this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also that time where there's some things that are just going to remain a mystery. So in all that, you know, people can get frustrated because they are trying to understand. And in a lot of conversations, especially in the context of coaching where I've sat with people and I go, but I just don't understand. I don't understand. And I have to lead them into, you know, understanding this, that yeah. sometimes you're not going to understand. So what are you going to do with it? And I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you help people when they can't get what they perceive to be the required understanding that they need? Oh, you know, I haven't faced that yet. And it's, I know it's terrible to say, you know, I, maybe I will once I've been doing this for 10 years, but I have yet to face, um, to face a situation where someone doesn't at the end of the day come around and say, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Doesn't mean they don't. They don't do it again. I mean, they mm-hmm. they most often do it again. They most often repeat the same error. Um, but it's um, it's rare that you know. It's rare that I have someone um, stubbornly holding on to misunderstanding their part in things, especially. Um, with my stories. I do a lot of story. I, I hate the word coaching, by the way. I, I don't even know. I don't want to call myself a coach. I, you know, I wish someone's got to come out with a better word for this industry. We use guide. We usually use the word guide. We, guide is good. Yeah, guide is we, good. I mean, co- coaching is just a term that everybody can get a hold of because coaching also, and especially in America, most people yeah. see coach like the guy in the basketball court, like mm-hmm. screaming at the players. You know, <laughs> yeah. my style of coaching is, you know, and, I, and I've coached other sports, but what I do is I sit on the sideline and maybe in the first quarter, I'm talking to the players, but after, and I'm, and I'm talking kids. I teach them first that they have a strong mind, a strong heart, and a strong body. That's what I tell them. And then I say, now, we're going to have fun, right? And then you're going to understand the power of the other, the other person on your team. And so what you want to do is learn that and leverage only those things. And that's what we're going to do. And then through that, they discover the game in a much better way. So what I do is first quarter, I talk to them. Second quarter, very little. Third quarter, they don't hear anything from me. And fourth quarter, all I do is cheer them on. I just say, good job, great Mm -hmm. job, good thought, way to think. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I do. I just, that's all I want them because I want them to have problems to solve instead of answers to remember. So, um, you know, and I love when you, the way you characterize that as stubborn, 
Yeah. The whole stubborn part of holding on. Yeah. You, you know, so it's not, it's not that they can get it. Yeah. I, just don't, I don't think they yeah. want to. They, they don't want to, you yeah. know, and it's so they, convenient. right. It's kind of like Linus with it. Wasn't it Linus and Charlie Brown with the blanket? With the blanket? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. you know, I tell people this, like, you know, you know, I, and I'm story person too. And Megan will tell you, I drive her crazy with my stories, <laughs> but it's like, you know, there's, there's a story about a man who sat outside the gate called beautiful and he would beg for alms and people are going into this temple and they walk past him and they're dropping coins in his hand. Well, finally, these two people come over to him and they look at him and he asks for money and they say, hey, look, silver and gold do we not have. However, what we'll give to you, we'll give what we have, what's in us. And they take him by his right hand and pull him up and it says, and immediately his ankles were strengthened. So the question is, were his ankles ever weak? Or was the mat, because in beggars' situations, a lot of them, especially in the Middle East, they would sit on this little blanket. And the thing that you're sitting on is lying to you. So maybe your ankles are stronger than they really are, you know, than you think they are. But all it takes is someone to reach their hand out. You know what I mean? And so the right hand is representative like when you shake hands. Do you shake with your left? No, you shake with your right. Right? So there's something to be said about that right hand and the power of transfer. And so with that, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all that to go in that stubbornness. What would you, you know, you say you haven't run into that yet. I'm, I really am just curious, you know, hearing, let's just say there's a stubborn person. They, they just still want to hold on to, I need to know why more so than moving forward. What would you say to that person? So there may be someone listening right now that they're just stuck on. I need to know why instead of you can move forward. What would you do to guide them? Oh God, I don't know that I can. I mean, is that bad to say? I just, I, I would so. probably give them time. I would leave. I would give them time because magical thing happens when you work with someone um, for a little bit and then you walk away and you give them time. Somehow, some of the things you did and said start to settle in. I don't know. Give them a chance to miss me or something. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> there's nothing. No, listen, Liz, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying. I think that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. You know, no, time it sucks is to beautiful. Say that in today's world, though, to say that, oh, I'm going to give up on you. I mean, is that is bad to say that? I don't know so much as I'd be given up, but probably I would be. I'd allow that person to spend some time alone. That's one thing we don't do. You know, we occupy our life with so much stuff because we don't want to face ourselves. I would probably put that person in an empty room for two days, lock the door so that they could spend some time alone. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Well, it's very, it's very thoughtful because, you know, if you think about it, there's a tree that's dying. You know, the remedy isn't to cut the tree down, especially right. if it still has life in it. So what you ought to do is, you know, you dig around it. You have to, you have to trench around the tree. You need to fertilize it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you need to give it time to heal. So um, I like to use, I'm a very formulaic person sometimes. I like, I like my little anecdotes, but it's grace plus truth over time equals growth. I love that. So what you said, time is the most beautiful thing I mm-hmm. think you could probably give that person is the yeah. gift of time to even miss you. And I think that's powerful because you're showing them that, hey, I want to be in your life. You're stuck on this moment here and I want you toward movement. And so let me leave you alone and hopefully we can re-engage and you'll be in a different place to think. But a hundred percent, because think about it. When you walk towards people, they're often walking away from you. Yeah. Try walking mm-hmm. back, they'll walk towards you. Mm-hmm. That's very so, good. I love it. I like I do that a lot. I walk I walk back a lot. I do that with my kids too. I use that strategy because 
you know, they've got to, when, when people aren't coming to you with their intention, their idea, their, them wanting to make a change, you're going to make no difference. Mm-hmm. They got to come to you. That's why I don't even advertise my business. People, people have got to come to me because they heard from someone that I've helped them and they also want help. Let them call me. And then, you know what? I'm not going to call them back right away. Hmm. I want them to want it. Yeah. It's like converting to Judaism. I'm Jewish. I don't know if you know that, but we have this, everyone makes fun of our culture because it's really hard to convert to Judaism. You have to ask like three times, according to the, you know, the rabbis, you got to come, you got to say, I want to convert. They'll say, no, they'll shut the door. Then you got to go again. And then they'll say, no, no, we're not interested. And then you have the third time. And then the third time they'll consider maybe your conversion. That's so good. I'm just <laughs> thinking, true. no, I'm just thinking, because I mean, gosh, we, I, we could talk about that for. You have to want it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's really good. And I think that's what people need is, you know, I, you know, th- well, there's a difference and, um, I've said this to, you know, someone recently, but I use this a good bit, but, um, and, you know, now more potently, but is it a craving or are you hungry? Which one that's is right. it? You know, right. is this a carb trip? Is this carb and chocolate? Or is this the protein and the nutrient <laughs> can I you it? really can I need? I this one for me? Hold on. Let's just go <laughs> <laughs> well, on. You Say can... it again, but real slow. <laughs> well, no. Is it, are, is, it, is it hunger or is it a craving? Is this, <laughs> is this the quick carbs, you know? Or yeah. is this, you know, in chocolate? Or is it the protein and nutrient? Like, which mm-hmm. one is it? You know, because you, your body will tell you what it wants. And what happens is our hunger sometimes, what we do to feed our hunger is we take a quick carb to try to satisfy it. Mm-hmm. And right. so I think that whole thing going to Judaism, and that's what they're doing. They're saying, come back, you know, no. You know, you come over again, yeah. hey, I want to drink. No. <laughs> nope. You know, they're going to find out if you're hungry or not. Or that's is right. it a craving? Do you yeah. want a quick carb? What do you want? You know? Yeah. So, and you know, and that's good because they're making you be intentional about what it is that you're deciding to do. And that's, that, I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, I feel like that's what needs to be in the awareness of people. You know, how many people say yes to things and they've never, you know what I mean? They're saying yes out of craving versus hunger. Mm-hmm. 100%. And a, a, a magical thing happens when you step back from a person, a situation, a desire, Whatever it is, I talk on desire a lot. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I, my YouTube channel is full of topics on desire because desire is such a primal thing for us. You just want to run towards it because you just want to experience it. You think it's never going to come back because you're full of desire right now. It's going to be, it's fleeing, it's going to pass. So you run after it. You want to experience it. You want to experience every moment of it. When you step back from these things, as miraculous things happen. When I step back from my clients and allow them that little bit of time to, you know, they grab for me because they find, they realize that it's been providing some sense of direction and growth for them. And once you lose it a little bit, once it detaches itself just a little bit from you, um, that's real. That's when you really learn Mm -hmm. if someone wants something or not. And, and I also, uh, want to just add that, that whole idea of saying, I would, I would leave them. I would, I would put them in a room for two days so that Mm -hmm. they could think, uh, really, in 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 my opinion, the world right now, there's so much going on and there are so many people, they're looking for the quick fix and they want to hire you to say, tell me why. Tell me what to do. I need, I need a solution. I need to get from here to there and I need to do it quickly. That we're so busy being busy, we forget to find that space and create that margin where we can really be alone with ourselves and alone with our thoughts 
and figure out what do I think and what do I believe and what is my why, not what is the why that you think I should have. Oh, yeah. You're, you're dead on, Megan. I mean, think about how many times people, people spend time with people like them for a reason, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you, you can't walk, you know, spend time with a bunch of people who can't walk just so you don't, you don't feel like you're different. So, you know, people don't, you know, people have a free moment. They call their friends, they come over for a coffee. We do everything possible not to be left alone with our thoughts. We're so scared. We're going to learn about ourselves. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. People need reflection. People need time. You, you can find out unbelievable things about yourself. If anyone out there wants to be an entrepreneur, sit in a room for an hour by yourself, close your eyes. You're going to have 10 ideas. And you're going to realize real quick, if you're an entrepreneur or not, or you need to partner with someone who can drive those ideas. Things come to you like when you're, when, when, when you really truly reflect and truly dig deep into the human being you are, people pass this whole life, not understanding who they are. Or right. what it could have been. Right. And they, and you know, the first move shouldn't be pick up the phone and call somebody with <laughs> that, right. that should be second right. or third. You know what I mean? First move should be do what you said, sit in a room by yourself for an hour. Okay. Well, we're second, looking for validation. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. call such and such. I'm not yeah. validated in, in, in this and that way. We're constantly looking for validation for people, like-minded people. That's why we're always assimilating groups. You know, like-minded people have to affirm who I am today. How yeah. am I going to get validation today? Yeah. Well, give it to yourself. Right. And and so first move is be alone. Second move, write that down. Then be able to speak to someone about it, who you can actually trust. And yes. they're not going to try to move you in some direction or another or say something like this. Well, whatever makes you happy. I mean, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> that is the, oh, yeah. I'm like, if someone comes to me and says something, the first thing I have is questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, that's well, you're a real yeah, friend. Yeah. And, and I'm like, so yeah, that whole notion of support, you no matter what <laughs> is, is a whole, you know, if you're a real friend. You're going to tell a person to make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> or, right. <laughs> right. Or have you thought like the key word is, are right, you questions. thinking for a change? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? Is this is what you're saying is your thought? Was it for change? Are you thinking for the change? Right. You know, or right. you, or is this something I need to say to you and take the same statement and use it differently? Or right. maybe it's you need to think for a change. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. which one is it? We thought of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Uh, well, I, I, I think one thing that's really interesting is, you know, we're, we've talked about relationships and we've talked about just that whole idea of surrounding yourself with people who, who think like you and um, the, the confirmation bias and something that is very, very prevalent, I think, with you know, our current political climate is something that that we see a lot. And with social media, it becomes even more in our face. Um, so in, in your book, In Smoke and Mirrors, you talk a lot around political awareness. And um, so Tim and I are both really big uh, Hamilton fans. Have you seen mm-hmm. Hamilton? or Are you familiar with the yeah, I'm music? Familiar. Okay. So uh, in your book, you say, don't be a pioneer of opinions. Don't connect yourself too closely to controversial causes, especially in our intensely political driven world. So I 
I definitely understand where you're coming from and how how that's a really important thing for leaders to do because uh, you're really always looking out for the whole for the team. You don't want to create, yeah. you know, you don't want to create an environment. But what about the value of standing up for something that you really believe in? You know, in in Hamilton, you know, he you know Burr says, uh, "Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for." But what if yeah. you you know? But then you got Hamilton who comes in right, and he says, "If you right. stand for nothing." Burr, what'll you right. fall for? Right. So, so what if you do have something that you believe in, and and especially if you think it could positively impact others? How do you balance that? So, so I'll tell you in what context in the book I'm I, I I who I meant that for. So, mm-hmm. in in my political awareness chapter, I'm really just educating people who are climbing the organizational ladder. Okay. So when you're, you know, a manager and you want to be a director, if you're a director, you want to be vice president, if you're, you know, you want to make it to the board, um, you know, as we know, with more power, you become more influential, right? Mm -hmm. So the more influential you become, the more you can influence the collective to um, listen to the things that you believe in. My, what, what I say in the book is don't do that on the climb. Because while you're climbing, Mm -hmm. you've got to be a political animal. Because there are so, especially in large corporations, there are so many people that have opinions these days about so many things. Mm -hmm. I have seen people quit jobs after the election. I I had clients who have departments where people quit jobs, left, had to take leave, all that stuff right after the U.S. election. What I'm saying to you is that to be politically savvy, and to understand the, the politics and the agenda of the people who are influencers in your organization. If you stand too strongly with any one position while you're trying to reach a level of influence, it can hurt you. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get the influence, you, you know, stand up for everything you believe in, particularly if it's going to benefit the collective. So on the climb, which is, you know, my book is predominantly written for people who um, want to get up in organizations, people want to go off on their own, you know, do something influential. Unfortunately, you know, the, 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 being the trailblazer while you're still climbing to a position of influence could be, or a pioneer could, could backfire. You've got to do it carefully. Yeah, and I I absolutely agree with that. I uh, started out my career in um, a large financial institution, so I and and I've seen um, other people who have maybe started out in a family business or something like that, where it's it's a very different structure, and you you can see sometimes if someone hasn't learned how to. Uh, how to be mindful of some of those different things and of you know, the people who are uh, who hold some of the influence, whether that is through position or just who they are, uh, it can it can be very detrimental. Detrimental to your career. Mm-hmm. You've got to, yeah, you've got to, you got to sort of, you know, I, I I can't even tell you how many times I sit in rooms with leadership teams where people are saying things I completely disagree with. And unfortunately, you know, I'm not Bill Gates where, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. I still have billions. Um, it's, it's, I've got to even watch my position because people may not hire me to consult for the organization based on my political views, based on the fact that I wouldn't support this or that or the other. So 
even in my position, it's tremendously hard to express, even though I usually don't have a problem expressing my opinion. You've got to be careful politically because people's agendas are very different. You've, you know, people's motives are very different. You could, you could derail your career by siding with, with, with something that you truly deep, deep down believe in and want to express. Express it later. I know it's not their intent, but my gosh, Facebook has helped derail a lot of people's lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. like a billboard. I mean, people are living their lives on out loud. I'm like, gosh, it's like, yeah. oh my goodness. And then the unfortunate thing is, is once you post that stuff and you put it out there and then you find out that they're coming off with half-baked information. And then once again, it's one-sided and it's That's based on confirmation biases yeah. and unconscious biases and all that. That's why I tell people like you'll very rarely see me put anything up there like that. If anything, I tell people to do is like, look, know, know who you are and how you show up in the world and be willing to give account for it when asked. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, imagine, imagine you're, you imagine you're about to be hired by your firm as a vice president and then go on your social media, which is, you know, all my clients are doing that now. They're all checking out people on social media. And then suddenly you go to this guy's page and he's talking about how women shouldn't be given any opportunities right. <laughs> or he shared a, I don't know, some controversy. I mean, stop. people cannot do this. You've got, you know, you people, people are so married to their political affiliations. They're so just obsessed about their opinions of the right or the left or the, you know, whatever, you know, the, our, our society is so touchy now that, you know, can't even speak out against the color red. You know, oh, but I love red. How dare you insult red? So it, there's, there's, there's really, you can't, you got to be political, mm-hmm. particularly in a corporate environment. Well, and I think that's just the brand called you. And, yes. <laughs> and, and, and if you're someone who doesn't, who doesn't think that that is a reality, um, just like Tim said, look at social media. It, it's about the brand called you. You have a personal brand, whether you like it or not, people right. are going to, you're giving other people, they're going to perceive you a certain way because of the mm-hmm. things you do say and the things that you don't say. Mm-hmm. 100%. So I have a question for you. How yeah. do you invest in Liz? What are, what are like priorities? to make sure that you are properly investing in yourself for your own growth? That's a great question. My fuel. Um, I run out of it. I mean, it's one of the things with this business, you guys, and it's probably the same with you, you know, hosting this. You probably need to reclaim your energies. I I get depleted very quickly with some of my clients' issues. You know, they. I'm so much more of an advisor, I think, than I am a coach. And I love your word, guide. But sometimes, you know, advising means there's a sudden situation and, you know, that you need to, you need to hear somebody out and they're, they're facing a disaster, possible disaster or something that could just blow up in their face. And, and you're advising, oh God, I really hope I directed that guy in the right way. I mean, you just really lose it. So I, I lose a lot of energy. I, lose, I get depleted very, very, very quickly. But I am so fortunate that I have. And, and if you read my book, you know what the word sponsor means, mm-hmm. not mentor, but sponsor. Right. Mm-hmm. I have sponsors in my life, people who truly are behind me. They're, every, they're behind my message. They're um, successful in their own right. And I can turn to them. I can go to them and I could say, I'm, I don't know what I just did. And I need you to under, help me and build me back up, basically. And, 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 and they do. And People, you know, a lot of people say I need time by myself. And yes, I have, a, I have tons of time by myself. I think I'm by myself when I'm not with my kids and I'm on the phone with clients, I'm by, I'm by myself. So I spend a lot of time alone. 
does that does that bring back that vigor, that energy that I that I coach with? Not always, but the people in my life do because they're the right people. Yeah. And so, so Liz, we, you obviously know the name of our show is Uphill Conversations. Mm -hmm. And along with that, you know, we believe that everything worth having in life is uphill, but you can't go uphill with downhill habits. So what recently uh, was a challenge, an uphill challenge that you faced and, and how did you overcome it, work with it? How did you climb up that hill? Um, I think my uphill challenge is, is ongoing, but I've learned to better deal with it. I think, I think my, um, not having many years, um, in this business, me, um, claiming I can help people that are achieving tremendous things in life and working with people that are far more successful than I am is, um, a very difficult thing to, um, to, you know, when, when I'm questioned about it, you know, well, you know, you're young or, or, you know, how long you've been doing this, or did you ever take any coaching classes? Those things are a struggle for me because, because I'm so overt and my advising style is very overt and I don't, I don't spend too much time on bull and, um, people have a hard time. Um, I don't want to say believing in me, but, um, they question it a lot. I'm questioned a lot, just, you know, everything paired together. Um, the fact that I come from the real estate space and suddenly I'm a leadership coach, the fact that I'm reasonably young, the fact that I I'm outspoken about a lot of the things that human behavior are related, and I'm not necessarily, you know, I've got a master's in psychology. And sometimes it's just hard to let people understand that I have, I believe I have a talent and it's really hard to just look at someone and say, well, I have a talent. So, <laughs> so that's why I can do it. So it's hard for me to, position myself, um, and get that credibility. That's a constant, uh, challenge for me. And you know, 10 years from now it won't be, but I'm learning to deal with it. I'm learning to, um, explain it better or explain my innate ability better, um, to, to people that question it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I love it because that's what you're saying is it's not something that you've overcome, but you're saying this is, I mean, we all have things that we've overcome, on our journey toward our emerging future. But what you're saying is, is you recognize this is just one that is a part of your journey, like completely. In other words, it's not one that you're just going to get by and over. This is one that is just an ongoing daily process of, That's right. of just, That's right. once again, not just being the best, but being better. And, um, yes. you know, and I love it. No, that, that's great. You know, and, um, I, I celebrate and applaud the fact that you recognize it and that's the, the listen, the first step to victory is awareness. That's what I tell people. Like, that's right. You know, right. like if you want some, you want some victory, man, <laughs> do some discovery, bring things into your awareness, you know, unless the unconscious becomes conscious, it'll rule yeah. your life and you'll call it fate. Like that's, that's right. Most that's people right. need to understand that, like start working with some w awareness. So I know that that's was right. a great answer. Um, you know, when people talk about my experience, you know, as I mean, I've been doing this for what, like just under two years. Um, you know, I, I always say, you know, I can hit a ball with a baseball bat, probably one that will give me a home run. But you keep wanting to ask me what teams I've played for and how long I've been practicing and studying baseball. Just give me a bat. Once I hit the ball, you're going to ask, stop asking me the questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to say, can you play on my team? You're going to say, you know, oh, yeah. wow, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. It, it, I, uh, it, it, so the attentional shift. 
Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, we want to go to the moon. Well, have you been before? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, someone has to start, you know, right. that's, that's like, right. it's almost like, you know, hey, we want you to get, it's, it's the same thing with education. Get these degrees, do all this stuff. Then you apply for a job and they go, oh, you don't have enough experience. That's well, right. how am where I going to get it? How am I going to get it? Okay. I worked at, I worked at Starbucks. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, but that's I, why I tell my clients to hire innate capability yep. over mm-hmm. anything innate that, innate it's got to be somewhat part of who you are that's right for you to be successful in it that's no that is great advice um so one more question for you if you're ready for it sure so over the next 12 months if you would tell us three things that you are optimistic about so they can be personal or professional so over the next 12 months three things that you are very optimistic about um i love the stage. I don't know if we talked about me. I'm a, I'm, I consider myself a reasonably average public speaker. I don't, I don't, I don't have fear of the stage. And one of the things that gets me unbelievably excited is to, um, I've never spoken to, um, like thousands in a room. Like I've never spoken to, to, to a room over a thousand. So one of the things I hope in the next 12 months, and I'm very, very optimistic about it, is that I can host some kind of a session or some, do some kind of an educational workshop where I can attract more than a thousand people. I, um, it gives me kind of exhilaration. Um, so I would say, can I take up two of the three with that one? <laughs> I'll let you do that. So yeah, one's attract and one is to, yeah. So we'll say, yeah, there's two, two of that, it's, two. You can take two. Seriously, all I think about. So yeah, I think, I think two is, two is, uh, they say happiness when you get to do what you really want to do, right? As, as your vocation, imagine this is one of the things I love to do. So I, I think about it a lot. Um, and then another thing is, um, my, my son who's six, um, in the next year, he's just maturing so much. He's understanding what I do. He wants to read my quotes now. So I cannot wait for the next 12 months for him to ask me more and more and perhaps even listen to a few speeches and come in the room and, and be with me. I mean, him finding out about what I do is, is insanely amazing to watch. He loves to see my quotes and see my pictures and see, you know, oh, mom, are you on TV? Or, oh my God, can I read that quote? And doesn't understand what it's saying, but it's, <laughs> Amazing. I'm so optimistic about them understanding more and more of how I help people. It's amazing. Yeah, I I think that last one is really great. That definitely uh, hits hits me in the heart. Um, you know, yes. I, like we talked about, I've you know I've got two um, I've got two young girls, and uh, and Tim actually he's got he's got three kids. So I think for us, uh, it is really a wonderful thing to be able to see that you're making an impact on other people. But as your kids begin to appreciate and be interested in what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, that's just that's a great feeling as a parent. Yes feeling the best yeah it's like support that just came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well Liz thank you so much for uh, spending so much time with us today I am sure that our listeners are going to really enjoy the conversation Uh, it would be great if you could uh, share a little bit with where they can find you and how they can connect with you sure well my company is Dahlberger Group so dahlbergergroup.com you can get to me um, my YouTube channel, I try to post, I think I post, you know, kind of daily, if not every few days. Um, I do, I do cool videos. I do just thoughts. They predominantly come from 
Elizabeth Dahlberger channel. Um, they predominantly come from recent issues my clients have faced and it gives me an idea and I write it down and then I do a you know four or five minute video on it. So it's certainly there. I'm on Instagram, Liz Dahlberger. I do a lot of quotes on Instagram and then my quotes always match my videos. So if the quote is interesting, there's a video on that same topic. Um, and, you know, I'm, I always have time for anybody who has questions. I mean, I, I, I don't let one email go unanswered. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. We've enjoyed you. No, oh, I've enjoyed you guys. <laughs> Best question askers ever. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Seriously. <laughs> we believe in it. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill. However, you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. We want you to remember you can be more, do more, and have more. Always remember your reasons for being, doing, and having are for you to figure out and not anyone else. But most importantly, we want you to know you will see me, Megan, and Liz on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.